So, good morning, everybody. I'd like to show you a picture. Wow. What's this? Lunch? Okay. Laing. Oh, my wife cooked laing last night. Okay. So, this is ramen. Please turn to your neighbor and say, I hear your stomach growling. Okay, so this morning, we will talk about food. Okay, we will talk about food. Are you excited? Everybody that's hungry, say amen. Okay, service is dismissed. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this beautiful day that you have given us. I pray, dear Father God, that you will uh, touch each and every uh, lives that are here this morning. I pray, Father God, that we will have fertile soil so that we'll be able to receive your words, Lord God, and that it will grow and bear much fruit. Thank you, Father, and we lift up to you those who are not here. I pray, Father God, that you will reach out to them wherever they are. I pray that your Holy Spirit will... will, will uh, deal with them so that they will experience your love and your presence in their lives. Thank you so much. We commit the rest of the service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we've been talking about the book of Genesis since late last year, right? And uh, last Sunday, Pastor Insong talked about uh, being friends with God. Uh, lifted from Genesis chapter 25. And this morning, we will continue our lesson in Genesis chapter 25. Okay, and I have entitled my message this morning as Walk Away from the Bowl. No? No. No, I like to eat. I like to eat. I will not walk away from the bowl especially if it's a good ramen, right? There's a restaurant in downtown LA. They serve good ramen. So if you wanted to taste ramen, see me after the service. I will go with you. <laughs> okay. So let's read from Genesis chapter 25, and then we'll start reading from verses 19 up to 34. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bichuel, the Aramean of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord. Say with me, Isaac prayed to the Lord. On behalf of his wife, because he was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Isn't it interesting that both Sarah or Sarai and Rebecca, they were both barren. Right? But if you look at the difference, Abraham heeded the advice of his wife, Sarai, to get Indai so that they will have a baby. But Isaac, the Bible says, he prayed 
to the Lord. And it's also interesting that even Rebecca, she inquired of the Lord when she experienced some difficulties in her pregnancy. How many of us inquire of the Lord when we are in difficult situation? I hope we are. Because, you know, we have a God who answers our prayers. In verse 21, it says, And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So the Lord answered the prayer of Isaac. Let's continue. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red, all over like a hairy garment, just like a Chewbacca baby. <laughs> and they named him Esau. It's interesting. You know, I really wanted to have kids that are kind of hairy. But look at this one. Esau was hairy, but it looks like he's already wearing a garment, a hairy garment. Weird, right? Afterwards, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for gain. But Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, Please let me have a swallow of the red stuff, of the red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, First, sell me your birthright. Esau said, Behold, I am about to die. So of what use then is the birthright for to me? And Jacob said, First, swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentils too, and he ate and drunk, and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. As I said, our topic is about walking away from the ball. Okay, who of you here has a ball pen? Can I borrow one? Okay. What is this? Is anybody willing to trade this ball pen from this car? Chris, where are you? Actually, this is Chris' car. We were talking about it. I like the car. And Chris, is it okay to trade your car with this ball pen? Go ahead. Okay. You know, we laugh at this story. Thank you. We laugh at this story and sometimes it sounds weird. 
trading a ball pen with a very nice car. In the case of the passage we read this morning, okay, it's trading the birthright with a ball of stew. It's funny, right? But isn't it on a daily basis we do that? Or is it just me? <laughs> just me? So on a daily basis, we trade things for things that are permanent. If we look at verse 27, it says, When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. You know, there are many Christians who grew in church. Some of them have lived, have been in church since they were born, just like my kids. Okay, some of us, you know, they can already memorize, you can already memorize or know which seat you're going to sit every Sunday. Right? Because we grew in church. But sad to say, there are a lot of Christians who grew in church but are not maturing. Let us not, let us not mix growth with maturity. It says here that Esau grew in his skills. And sometimes we are skillful in church. We led the worship team. We are so good. And sometimes even pastors, they would go up the stage and preach. And they are good at preaching. And yet, they have not matured. Same is true with Esau. When I, I was studying this, I thought for a while that, you know, this happened when, this story happened when these boys were really very young. But as I studied the Bible, it seems to me that they were about 50 or 60 when this thing happened. They grew in their age, and yet they were immature. So growth versus maturity, that's different. Why did I say that? They were both skillful, and yet Esau was not able to control his appetite. Many Christians are like that. We are not able to control ourselves. So, Pastor Reg, what is maturity? From an unknown author, it says, spiritual maturity isn't measured by how high you jump in praise, but how straight you walk in obedience. Many people memorize the Bible from cover to cover, from cover to maps. And yet, if you ask them their obedience, 50%, 30%, not even. We just go through the motion of going to church because since we were small, we got used to going to church. Right? But our obedience level is very low. So maturity is measured in terms of how obedient we are. Follow God's commands. Amen? A quote from one of my favorite pastor, Bishop Dr. Bill Hammond. He said in his book, Prophets, Pitfalls, and Principles, 
manhood or womanhood comes before any ministry. God wants to make us like Jesus before anything else. It doesn't matter if you are able to prophesy. It doesn't matter if you are able to read the worship. It doesn't matter if you are able to preach. But if your maturity level is low, then you have not reached the level of manhood. Amen? Amen. I'm glad there's nobody here in CCF. It's from the other church. Amen? Amen? Okay. In Romans chapter 8.27, it clearly says that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So it is God's desire that each and every one of us conform into the image of his son, into the likeness of Jesus. God is more concerned about our character rather than our comfort. He is more concerned about how we grow in our maturity rather than in our talents. You may be gifted with a lot of things in your ministry, but if your character is not good, then the Bible says we are not conforming to the image of His Son. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. There are still Christians who think like a child. Hindi lang napansin na pastor in song, hmm, I will transfer church. Right? Hindi lang nabati sa hap, ng happy birthday, hmm, I will not attend CCF anymore. Right? There are people who are like that. They are so immature. I like this from a quotation from uh, Rick Warren. He said, Biblical convictions are essential for spiritual growth and maturity. What is ironic today is that people often have strong convictions about weak issues, like football, like fashion, while having weak convictions about major issues, what is right and what is wrong. Sad to say, a lot of Christians now cannot distinguish what is right and what is wrong. Because what? They think just like what the world thinks. And they are so concerned about fashion. They are so concerned about football. Oh, there's, it's a football season, I will not attend church. Right? They, they major on the minor things, on the trivial matters. That's what they think. But they never think about the, what is right and what is wrong. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. What is famished? It was lifted from a Hebrew word, ayep. Okay, it means faint, thirsty, weary, exhausted. You know what? There are a lot of Christians who are famished, just like Esau. 
We are famished in our prayer life. We are famished in reading the Bible. We are famished with the things of God. Why? Because we never spend time with the Lord. This is my advice to all of us. Let us not starve ourselves all day. You know, when I was younger, I decided that I will... I used to be, you know, big before. But I decided that I will start to trim down. And what I would do is, in the morning, I would go to work, just drink coffee. Lunchtime, I will skip lunch. Okay, and in the evening, I will eat what, three bowls of, of rice. I will eat a lot. Now, isn't it that, you know, that's not good? Instead of trimming down, the more that you will get bigger. Am I right or am I correct? You grow bigger. Why? Because you starve yourselves and then at, at night, you eat a lot. Or sometimes some people will starve their breakfast, starve their dinner, and eat a lot during lunch. It's not good. And there are many Christians who are like that. They starve themselves from Monday to Saturday, and they feed themselves with the Word of God on Sunday. Right? So what happens? Monday to Saturday, we are famished. We are famished because what? We skipped our meal. We skipped our time with the Lord. We skipped Bible reading. We skipped prayer. We skipped praise and worship. You know, it's not, sometimes we make wrong decisions not because we are bad people. But you know what? most of the time we make bad decisions, it's because we become too hungry. Did you notice when you're too hungry, sometimes you just eat anything that smells and looks good? One time we were in a conference last Wednesday at Anaheim, and we were just waiting outside, and there is this taco truck close by. I think they were cooking, and we smelled garlic. Wow, it's so nice. I felt so hungry. Most of the time when my wife would cook, when she cooks that garlic, just like yesterday, I was preparing for this message. She was cooking in our kitchen and I smelled garlic. What I did was I left my Bible, went to the kitchen, and guess what? Okay. What happens to us sometimes when we are so hungry? Anything that looks good, anything that tastes good, we just eat them. Just like the case of Esau. When he came in, he was so famished. He was exhausted. Why? Because he let himself get hungry. I have here a bowl of, of soup. And oftentimes, when we go through things in life, the devil would show us a bowl of soup. And when we look at it, it tastes good. 
then we eat it. It happens to us every day. At work, or probably it's already tax season, about to prepare the tax, Uy, ang laki ng babayaran ko. The devil will show you a bowl of soup. Oh, it smells good. Mr. Auditor, can we adjust our tax? In school, in school, when we are with our friends, oh, you're born again? The bowl of soup. No, my mom is just asking me to go attend their church. Bowl of soup. Business people, when we deal, when we make certain negotiations, and if we feel that we are on a loss, losing proposition, the devil will show us a bowl of soup. We see the bowl of soup every day. Every day. When we are driving and it's traffic, and then you see the carpool lane empty, the bowl of soup. The bowl of soup. Every day, every single day, there's a bowl of soup. We have examination the following day for the students, and there's a very nice uh, series on TV. Bowl of soup. It's the bowl of soup. Do you experience that? I experience that every day. The bowl of soup. When Jacob had cooked too, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. I was wondering yesterday when I was looking at this, I was just imagining what happened, say for example, Esau came in famished from the field and he has his body with him. He has his friend with him and he came in. I think it's going to be a different story. You know why? Because the friend might have said, come on Esau, that's a bad deal. You know, the bowl of soup becomes very attractive when we are alone. But when we are into an accountability arrangement, when we are into a D group or a small group, somebody would always remind us, come on, bro. Come on, bro. That's a bad deal. That's why I would encourage each and every one of you, be into an accountability arrangement. Be into a small group. Be into a discipleship arrangement. Why? Because somebody will remind us if we're about to trade our birthright with the bowl of soup. Amen? Amen. You know, when life is empty, you just let other people fill your bowl. If our life, if we are famished, and we are into a wrong group of friends. They fill in wrong things into our bowl. So I would encourage you, 
get into a good accountability with with one of the believers or one of your brothers and sisters. Verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentils too, and he ate and drank, and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You know, when I was reading here, what comes to my mind is that Esau did not even enjoy the meal. He did not even enjoy the meal. He was in a hurry. I don't know why he's in a hurry. He might be, his stomach might be growling or whatever. But he was in a hurry. He did not enjoy the meal. Because the Bible says that after he ate, he immediately rose up and went on his way. Thus, he despised his birthright. Many people are in a hurry instead of waiting on God. Especially when we make certain decisions in life, some people are in a hurry and they don't want to wait on the promises of God. Isn't it ridiculous that some of us are like that? We laugh at the story of Jacob and Esau when he sold his birthright, but most of the time, we are like that. And sometimes we make decisions based on our internal appetite rather than wait on the promises of God. Why? We are in a hurry. We just cannot wait. Let us not succumb to the temptation to give up what we wanted for what you want now. Sometimes we want it now, now as in now. And we just can't wait. We just can't wait. You know, if this rope would illustrate our life here on earth, if this rope will illustrate your life, most of the time, we are so concerned about how long the rope is. We are concerned about the things in this earth. And you know, when you come to the end, you will realize that life is too short. And if we concern on the temporary things of this world and not think about the eternal effect of our decisions, the eternal effect of what we're going to do, you will soon realize, wow, I'm at the end. I have no more time. And what do you normally say? How I wish I did it. How I wish I spent more time with my family. How I wish I spent my time with the Lord. Rather than in the end, we will say, I'm glad, praise God, I did it. Amen? Amen. So we say, Pastor Reg, we've been talking about inheritance. The story of Esau and Jacob was, you know, that's an Old Testament story. But today, what is our inheritance? You know, before we, I share with you what an inheritance is, let me say this statement. That the devil cannot get your inheritance. 
He cannot have your inheritance because God gave it to you unless you give it to Him. Unless you give it to Him. In the Old Testament, the firstborn normally gets the double portion of the inheritance. Okay, the, the, the elder person or the firstborn gets the best inheritance from the family. He gets all the benefits. That's why it's nice to be the eldest in the Old Testament. Okay, so inheritance can be given to you double portion. Inheritance can be given away. And inheritance can be transferred even now. When you get your inheritance from your parents, you can actually transfer that if you want to. Okay? Or you can give it away. It's up to you. But you know what? A lot of us, we just give away the inheritance that we have, that God has given us. Pastor Raj, what are inheritance? You know what? God has given you the inheritance of peace. Because in John 14 verse 7, it says, Peace I leave to you. And what happens? Instead of enjoying the inheritance of peace, the devil shows you the ball of worry. Sometimes enjoy, instead of enjoying joy that comes from the Lord, what happens? The devil would give you a ball of grumbling. And sometimes, you know, Testimony. The Bible says that let our light shine so that people will see in us the testimony that God has given us. And what happens? The devil will show you a bowl of timidity. Every day, God is giving us an inheritance. Every day, God is giving us something. And whenever we see the ball that the devil is showing us most of the time we give away that inheritance amen are you with me this morning you know if you go to hebrews chapter 12 it described because esau despised his inheritance hebrews chapter 12 Let's read from verse 15. It says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. What did the Bible describe Esau? Bible described Esau as Godless, immoral. Why? Because what? He despised his birthright. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessings or the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. He despised inheritance, but in the end, he was remorseful. He wanted to get back that inheritance. Even though he was crying, he was begging for it, the inheritance was gone. 
Very sad story, right? You know, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, I was reading this and, you know, it dawned on me. It says that I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If Esau did not sell his inheritance, probably this verse would, would go like this. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Esau. But the Bible, God despised Esau. Why? He sold his birthright. Because when you sell your birthright, it is just like you despising the gift of God. How many of you here received some gifts last Christmas? Oh, I received a lot. What would you think will happen if, say, George will give me a gift? And I said, no, George, I don't like your gift. How will George feel? He will feel despised. He will feel bad. Especially if George spent a lot of money for it. Same is true with our inheritance. Most of the time, we despise our inheritance. And the very reason why God did not accept back Esau in the Old Testament, it's because he despised the Lord. You know, if we read the story of Jacob and Esau, we can, you know, we can end our service or stop our message there. But you know, it reminded me of the parable of the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke. What happened to the younger brother in the parable of the, of the prodigal son? He asked his father, Dad, I need my inheritance. I need what belongs to me, even if the father was still alive. Give it to me. And what happened? The father loved him so much, and he gave the inheritance to the son. And what did he do? He succumbed to the bowl of soup. He left his country, went to faraway country, and he enjoyed his life. He enjoyed the bowl of soup. He forgot all about his father. He forgot all about his family. He enjoyed being there. And when he came to his senses, what happened? He remembered, oh, I'd like to go back to my father. And he went back to his father. And his father was waiting on the porch of their house, hoping that the son would come back. And when he saw his son from afar off, he ran to his son, embraced his son. And when he smelled that his son doesn't smell good, he said, oh, bring me the best robe and I'll put it on my son. And when he heard the music, oh, let's have a party because my son who was, who was dead is now alive. And I kept on thinking, what is the relationship of the story of the prodigal son and the story of Esau? I am reminded in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Sorry, I don't have it. 829, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. I remembered that there is another firstborn. 
Esau, the firstborn, despised his birthright. But the other firstborn mentioned in Romans chapter 8, he was the firstborn among the brethren. He was the firstborn who came from heaven, went down to earth, and for 40 days he was starved in the wilderness, and yet he did not succumb to the bowl of soup. And this firstborn has decided to transfer that inheritance to those who will accept him as his personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of this bowl is death. The wages of this bowl, if you succumb to it, is death. But the gift of God, the inheritance of God that is given to Jesus Christ and transferred to each and every one of us will be ours if we receive him as our personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? We don't deserve it. We gave up our inheritance. We succumbed to this bowl of soup. And the firstborn from heaven came down for you and for me. And that firstborn from heaven is willing to transfer that inheritance and give it back to you. Only if we will receive him as our personal Lord and Savior. The choice is ours. The choice is yours. And you know, sometimes, more often times, we make decisions in life without even consulting God. Oftentimes, we make wrong decisions in life. But God is giving us a second chance. God is giving us a second chance. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess the bowl of soup, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And I know this morning, some of us may have succumbed to the bowl of soup. It's not too late. It's not too late. Okay, we're going to pray afterwards. Okay, and I am inviting everyone to search our hearts as I call the music team to come up stage. It's not too late. It's between you and the Lord. We may have made wrong decisions in life. I made wrong decisions in life. But God is willing to give back that inheritance to you. God is willing to forgive us from all of our sins. While all heads are bowed, nobody looking around, I want us to start talking to our God. Just like David said, 
Search my heart, O God. We ask, Lord, that you put a spotlight in our hearts. Did we succumb to the bowl of soup that is being offered to us? Lord, search our hearts. Put a spotlight on the things that we have done that is not pleasing to you. We have made wrong decisions that have affected probably our family. And sometimes we continue to do it even though that deliberately we are disobeying God. God is merciful. He is kind. Dear God, we come to you this morning. You've, you've seen our hearts, Lord God. You see, you see the things, Lord God, that, you know, that have displaced you. Father, we ask for forgiveness, Lord God, for the things that we have done. Oftentimes, Lord God, we break your heart because we succumbed to the ball of soup. I pray, dear Lord, that you will forgive us. And as we move on, Lord God, with our lives, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to please help us. We cannot do it on our own. But Holy Spirit, if you will be the one to drive our lives. Holy Spirit, if you will control us, Lord God, we will come out victorious. And I ask, dear Father God, for those who have not known you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they will come to the saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God. And even as we worship you this morning, receive our worship. And may our worship be a sweet smelling incense to your throne. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.